Chaz, thanks so much for having this talk with me. I just reached out to you and you were like, all right, let's do this. So yeah, it's awesome. I say good morning for you. It's evening. I think it's Friday for me and Thursday for you, right? Yes. All right. Hi. How has your day been? <laughs> uh, it's uh, always, always busy. Um, we got four kids. So like I said, we dropped them off at school in the morning. Uh, I go to work in the evening. Depends. Like So in two, two days a week, I work evening shifts. The next two days, I work morning shifts. And then my final fifth day, I'll work that mid overnight midnight shift. And it just repeats on the cycle like that. So none of my days are ever the same time every single day that I get to do anything. So some days I get to be with the kids in the morning. Sometimes I get to be with the kids in the evening. All right. That sounds really exhausting. So do you like have your some kind of uh, secrets or hacks how you deal with it? Because I don't know if I could manage to like have this kind of schedule always changing. There's no real secrets or hack to do with it. You, like most of the time, if you're going to skid on a schedule, you do it like, okay, at 8 a.m. every morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have my coffee. By 9, I'll be at the gym. You know, you get in a routine that kind of way. You can't do that here. So every Tuesday, I'm going to go to the gym at 8. Every Wednesday, I'm going to go to the gym at 7 p.m. So 8 a.m. the first day, 7 p.m. the next day. Every Tuesday is the same, but none another day in the week is the same. Okay, so you have like kind of routines, but they are weekly repeating. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, um, at at least at least that you know I haven't been having routines for quite a long while. Uh, with music, it's also like a little bit different. I also have like sometimes choir and um, some stuff late in the evenings, and then come back home late, but then have to get up very early for meetings or to play in church stuff like that so everything gets meshed around especially if there's like concerts or one um one single event that i have to be there or, or go there and then travel a lot so um it's just very um for me it's very exciting but it's never like repeating in any way and it's something that i've been really craving lately to go back into a routine that i have had, for example, during studies, I had uh, periods where I went to the gym regularly or um, stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Very nice. Um, so to get to know you a little bit more, do you have, are you married? No uh, kids? I have no kids, no kids whatsoever. I am in a long-term relationship. We're now um, in our sixth year uh, and we're living together, but no, no kids for now and not any planned like in the next let's say two three years okay so that's how it is i gotta ask you the question too what about the closing your eyes in the pictures is it a height thing like you were i think showing a picture of yourself on top of a building and you're like if i close my eyes it doesn't exist and so i'm guessing was it a height oh no no this was actually just a joke on on uh me uh we didn't do like a real selfie we were just up there and there there was a couple and then we asked them if they could take a photo of us and they did. And in that moment, I just blinked. So oh, okay. I framed it in a way where it makes sense of me blinking. Okay, that makes sense. And it was a little bit like um, the spiral. This was in Copenhagen, like a very, very tall building. So it was uh, really uh, a little bit scary going up there because it, it was not even real stairs, but just like some copper thing. So I guess if it was just a little bit wet, you would slip and just do the whole spiral downwards. Oh, great. So I think it's, uh, yeah, they, they close it off for winters and, and anything. But I was visiting a friend there um, in Copenhagen. I've never been, actually, and I just found out that it's uh, a thousand kilometers. 
away from where I live, but I had this interrail ticket that I wanted to use and I couldn't use it because it broke my hand like the last month and I had to visit a lot of doctors and do some x-rays and stuff. So I just uh, tried to use it all up in these last two weeks. Very That's cool. why I went to Copenhagen. Hey, it, it takes me a five hour flight just to leave the state. Yeah, you're you're on another level. <laughs> like, uh, Alaska is really on another level, but I always wanted to visit. Like this was my um, childhood dream. I would say just see the uh, the fields and and the mountains and the forests, and it, it's it's been always unbelievable. Um, yeah, very very snowy, and I like that. It's cold, that's for sure. It's not as cold as other places, but um, it's home. And you grew up there. No, so I grew up in a, as a military household. From like the age of two, my mom joined the military, and so every three years I moved. Um, and one of the spots that we stopped when I was in middle school, so like eighth and ninth grade, was here in Alaska. I made some friends, and then I moved to the East Coast, just uh, in New Jersey, south of New York, and didn't like it very much there. So when I graduated, I came back here. Okay, okay. So basically, this was like your choice where you want to live because of the friends you made here or also the vibe or friends but there was also a girl that i kind of liked who was back here the problem is two months after i moved here i met my now wife and so we dated for four years and and the rest is history as they say (laughs) but there was uh let's call it the universe was pulling you towards that direction very much so very nice and how long have you been now in alaska this this session, I, I've been here uh, almost two years. Yeah, no, a year and a half, a year and a half now. The first time, 13 years. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a very long time. I actually have no idea where I do want to live. Maybe I will stay here in Switzerland where I'm right now. Um, th- these are in Swiss mountains, by the way. This is Norway, but uh, everybody's asking me <laughs> those. But uh, no, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I find it so interesting that we have all these different places in the world and every one of them has a very distinct vibe and very distinct people. There are some other rules and we just kind of happen to be born in a place and most people never even go out to see the world and they just like stay living there and never find out anything else. Um, and I'm finding out about a lot of stuff and I have no idea where it will lead me. Well, awesome. So are you, you're not from Copenhagen then? Where are you from? No, no, I am actually, uh, I was born in Serbia. So uh, Serbia is like this state uh, or country that was in between, um, like let's let's call it the, the old Turkey and, and the um, uh, Austrian Empire. And now it's been part of Yugoslavia for, uh, the major part of the 20th century and i was been i was born there during wartime so this was in the 90s when a lot of yugoslavia broke off mm-hmm. and there were countries splitting and, and everybody wanted independence and different nationalities so for the most part of my childhood uh, the country was at war and after the last war there was like 98, 99, my parents found work in Switzerland. So first my father and then he moved and then we moved, uh, like my mother and my brother and I moved to Switzerland and then she also found work here. And I've been 
actually very happy here since. Very good. Okay, awesome. It is funny how people tend to, where, why did you end up at where you ended up at? Like, what were the circumstances around it? And everyone's got a different story. It's quite awesome to learn about. Yeah, and for, and for me, it happened kind of like my parents really wanted to find something that is, um, let's say, very safe and very uncorrupted uh, as the opposite of Serbia at that time, which wasn't safe at all and was uh, being led with a lot of corruption, a lot of mafia and um, stuff like that. So they really wanted to like just go someplace safe like Germany or, or Switzerland or maybe the UK. And were actively looking for work for a very long time. They also specialized in their field to be like very valuable workforce. So it was, I'd say, rather easy for them. And a lot of Serbians um, that were in this position have done something similar. So there are like these mini villages all over the world. Basically, wherever I go, I will meet Serbians who have migrated. Most of them around that time um, that have just like decided to leave the country because the country wouldn't present opportunities to them. And for me personally, I was very little at the time and we were just extremely curious. We were very happy in Switzerland. Um, actually, our parents asked us, they showed us a picture of trains because Switzerland has so much trains and they were like, would you like to go and see these trains? Like we could move to Switzerland and you can ride in these trains all day long. And we're like, yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. Trains. Awesome. Um, so I did miss my grandparents. They were the ones that um, actually brought me up. So while my parents were working, we were staying with our grandparents. So there was like kind of babysitting or this larger family thing. We were also living with them for a while. But all in all, this was uh, this was kind of how I grew up, then moving to Switzerland and then finding just just happening to be here and to somehow get into this world um, and started working relatively early next to my studies and I just happened to live here and work here but it wasn't like really a conscious choice for me at any point okay makes how, sense that's what most people do that's how I believe most people have found their way to where they're currently at yeah, how, how was it for you? Like, um, I've also never heard of anyone living in a military household and moving around. Like, what's what's the deal with that? So I'll go into a little bit of my just overall his background and then and, and that's kind of kind of segue into how I uh, came across Julian's content. So I think that I think that's where awesome. I'm probably going to take probably going to take this. Um, so growing up in the, in the household that we did, my mother, she's a nurse anesthetist, which is a anesthesiologist just without the doctorate degree or without the um, the doctor behind it. She does now have a doctorate in that degree. Long story short, she was the one that w that uh, rose through the ranks in the military. My dad ended up staying home. We, I have, my, including myself, three younger brothers, so four of us total. So it was just better for him to stay home. And she was the she raised uh, became a colonel. So she was very militaristic. She was very this is how you got to do things. If I have to study, you know, anesthesiologists, they give you, uh, you know, a medication to fall asleep before you, you know, go to surgery. Yep. And um, so she she's very precise on all the different measurements and all the different things that you've got to do to make her job work. And my dad is just a free spirit hippie, uh, not a care in the world, can't really do, put anything to anything. You know, she's the order. He's the chaos, if you will, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> but on the same token, my dad wasn't someone that uh, uh, I could, in my opinion, I love my dad without uh, with all my heart, but he's not someone that I wanted to emulate, if that makes sense. He wasn't someone uh, who had any goals. He thought he was, you know, the school system told him that he was stupid. He got um, almost straight D's in school, dropped out, became a construction worker. I was again, nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but he had this belief in him that he couldn't ever amount to anything. And so he didn't really try. And when it came to raising us or whatnot, he kind of let us do whatever we want. And so we were always fighting with my mom because of this, because she was trying to rein us in and he, she, he wasn't having anything to do with it. But, um, so that's kind of what it was like growing up in our household. I was the oldest, so I ended up taking the responsibility role of raising up my younger brothers. I was five years older than the next born, 14 years older than the final born. And so my dad would work an overnight shift when I was in high school. My mom would work the morning shift and I would raise the kids until dad woke up around noon. And so that was kind of our, our the way our family worked. Well, that sounds like a lot of responsibility. I, I think a lot of people also grew up this way back in the day, but uh, you don't hear it as often in the modern age. Not so much, no, no. So but, how was this for you? I mean, uh, this constellation, I, I can imagine it being really, really difficult, like you being in the middle of everything and having to pull the strings, both from your mom and dad and your siblings, that you have to, to like somehow find the balance in between, while on, on one hand you have this dad that's, well, as, as you described, he lets you do whatever you want, but then there's your mom that somehow has a picture for you, what you want to do, and maybe, like, do you rebel against that, or um, do you get what she wants? Do you, like, go with the flow? How was that for you? I like I like how you ask these questions, because that's something, that's a skill I would like to get better at, too, is being able to ask questions and interview people, so I like, like, I like that. Thanks, we'll, we'll do it, yeah, sure. Um, the way I did it, it was different than the way my brothers did it. I was very obedient, if you will. I <laughs> always classified myself, you know, through my 20s, I classified myself as being a great, um, well, what's it called? Not the captain, but the guy just below the captain. Uh, lieutenant? Uh, I'm not sure what it happens. It, like I, I, on a, on a sea. experience at all. Yeah, I forget what it's called. I'm just, I'm just watching Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, today at work. So I, I have that in my head. But I can't be the one responsible for making the decisions. I can be responsible to not disappoint whoever it is that's my superior. Like yeah. I will do everything I can to not disappoint him. And I will, you know, I will go far and far beyond. But when it came, comes time to actually make a decision, I would fall flat. And so I, I never put myself in a position where I was in charge of everybody or what in any kind of situation, because I did not feel like anything I would do would measure up and make, I couldn't make decisions. I did not trust myself to make good decisions. I trusted myself not to disappoint the person above me, if that makes sense. And so yeah, in that case, my I, mom. Have you been like familiar with Game of Thrones? I haven't watched it, but I do know of it. Okay, because like there's this figure, um, Ned Stark, and he kind of falls victim in the in the first season. Um, here I am spoiling, but he's like this very strong character of very high moral values that doesn't really make his own decisions. He's also like just following um, the, the military like rank, how, mm -hmm. how it's going. And you can tell that he's a very good guy, but it's also super difficult for him to actually come through 
with his own personality or, or what he actually really wanted to do. And he always put himself second and uh, put like the wishes of um, his king or, or the commander first and then in the end fell victim to that. Mm. So would that relate in some kind of um, some kind of way to your story? Kind of. Um, one of the negatives I've seen about this is I have always limited myself instead of taking an opportunity that I could have taken, but I would have been more on my own and in charge of my own decisions. I would always, no, I need to be watched over type of thing. Younger. Not anymore, but younger. And that hampered me. I, I feel like there's so much I could have more done in my 20s than I did my 30s. Like I feel like my 30s is when my life actually started because that's when I finally started learning what it was like to, to be an adult, to grow up. I spent my 20s just like uh, throwing responsibility to the wind and like foregoing all that stuff. And how you mean like throwing the responsibility there? I played different... video games nonstop and I, I, I don't regret like the life that I have. I don't regret anything I have. Um, However, I do wish that I would have learned how to not abuse escapisms in the world that I relied on just to survive in my 20s. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I get it. So uh, it's interesting for me because uh, looking at you and, and the videos that you've created and how you presented yourself, um, I also somehow related you to Brad Pitt, you know, like in the um, in the movie, uh, what's it called, Inglorious Bastards, you know, you have oh, some okay. part of this voice and maybe like um, facial features a little bit and the beard. And um, I do hear a lot of confidence in your voice. And I, I think I get the feeling that you're a guy who has it all figured out and you know what you're doing and you know where you're going. So um, somewhat there's a trouble of me connecting this to to a person who in their 20s is totally like in escapism and uh, playing video games and not, not wanting to take responsibility. So how, how does this connect? Have you changed a lot or was it like? So uh, um, the next segue. So that was in my 20s and I, I was falling. I was on a down downward spiral and this is where it kind of connects. And this is where I reach. the I've reached the darkest moment in my life is so. I've been married to my wife for a handful of years at this point. Right now, it's been 15 years. So somewhere around the eight-year mark, um, I was just spiraling down. I hated everything about my life. I had a good job on the outside. I had a good wife. I had two kids at this point. But for some reason, just it wasn't connecting with me. I still felt really, really crappy inside. Um, we I was on a work conference uh, outside of the state. Um, I was living in Amarillo, Texas at the time. And I had a conference in Minnesota, which is a couple states north of where we were. And we went out drinking one night and I didn't sleep alone. If you catch my drift when it comes to I that, do. that was the worst. Okay. Th that happened. And like six, took me six months later before I finally, I couldn't handle the guilt. I couldn't handle the shame anymore. And I confessed to everything. And from that moment on, that was like the worst my life has ever gotten. And from then I've been, okay, Everything I've tried in the past doesn't work. I need to I need to do something different. And so that's the starting point that has brought me to, to who I am today. And the reason I you may feel like I have confidence is because I've I, I tend to mumble. I'm a mumbler and I stutter in a way. And I think I've done a really good job at removing that from my 
vocabulary I couldn't and tell from at all really honestly. i'm not i'm i'm not i'm not like diagnosed as a stutterer but when i start talking i gets it gets to that point where i have trouble formulating the words but um I don't care that I'm, I'm cool with that now. I used to be so ashamed about that. I used to, I couldn't read in front of the class. I couldn't do anything. I don't care about that now. I, all, everything else that I, so I just shared that with you. And if you're going to post this online, everyone else is going to know about this. I've shared that with a couple uh, with numerous different groups. One of the things that I did after I, that came out, it was a good church member told me about a program called celebrate recovery, which is, a, uh, it's not just one addict situation. Like for me, it was pornography. But it connected me with a group of men that were going through very similar situations and, and very similar programs. It could have been, you know, drugs, could have been alcohol. It could have been in case my in my case, you know, sex. We're all the same. We're all suffering from a hole inside of us that we need filled. And so we went through a program, a year long program together. And after that program, I turned around. And I started to lead the program at the church and whatnot. And that was a very uh, satisfying uh, period of my life. I was able to turn it around, able to reconnect with my wife, get back together with her, and we're still growing today. Amazing. That sounds really amazing. So uh, if you don't mind, I would really love to just talk a little bit more about that. I know it's sure. sometimes hard, or if you don't want to like share anything personal, please don't. It's fine. We can just like talk around the process, uh, whatever feels comfortable, of course. I didn't say that before, but uh, I tended to. And just around the voice thingy, by the way, what you said with the with the mumbling or stirring, I don't find that at all in your case. I think your voice is extremely clear. It's very well articulated. It's very deep and gives this kind of confidence, but also warmth. So um, you you got one of my favorite voices out there. Just so you know, <laughs> you can keep that. Well, thank it's you. I appreciate that. It's a very kind word. Well, um, yeah, no, thank you also for, for hopping on this call with me. So uh, you said this, um, rewind to this point where you said this was the worst time of your life. Um, I get it's probably really, really not a happy place to go back to. Uh, but maybe if you could say something, how you spiraled into it. So basically you said there was um, this thing that happened and then six months passed and something in, during the six months must have happened to amplify all of these um, self-attack, guilt, shame. Um, could you tell us maybe in your words how it felt or, or what happened? So the ev event happened in August and I finally broke in like April 1st. So it was it was um uh, somewhere around six uh, six months it's, i don't i'm not i don't feel like doing the math at the moment but um after it happened i felt i remember after it happened uh it was in a hotel room i took a shower for six hours i was like i am someone who i can no longer trust up until this point it was like i'm a trustworthy person like i always felt like i never said it out loud like it wasn't an affirmation i posted on the wall it's like i'm a trustworthy person and then after this event i was, I was just sitting there with the water on me like I'm not a trustworthy person it like it shattered me in that regard and then over the next course next couple months it just it seemed to grow I tried to numb myself out with 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 uh, I wasn't an alcoholic I didn't drink that much but I always had a beer but that allowed me to use my screen addiction if you, I'm just gonna call it screen addiction um yeah 
what have you. Um, and that, it got worse and it got more frequent. It got more, you know, I just, I couldn't survive is what it felt like inside. And so eventually one day my wife and I, I'll buy the time throughout all this too, we're, we're going further and further apart. She's occupying her time with, with busy work, always doing stuff with the, with cooking. She loves to cook. So she occupied her time more and more away from me. We did less and less together during this time. And eventually we got in a fight one day and I just, I had already had enough and I just, I confessed it. And this was, I confessed it. We, she slammed the phone on, uh, hung up the phone on me. I sent her a text message. She asked a question and I responded in the text message. So um, she, she actually asked if that happened. So she like had the hunch and you just, I don't know if she had a hunch, but I was acting like such a miserable pain in the butt at the time. And so she's like, I, I can't satisfy you. What's going on? Are you, ha are you sleeping with someone else? You know, are you, you know, out of like, I don't know what else it could be at this moment type yeah. of thing. And so she asked the question that she hung up the phone and I responded it with an answer through text message. And, um, the next, well, that was in April. She moved out, took the two kids and didn't come back until September. We were in Amarillo, so she took the kids and lived with her parents who were here in Alaska. And so she says, you have till the summer to figure out what the hell you want and then let me know. So, so at the she, end of the summer. So she basically gave you the responsibility to like stand up to what you did and decide on where it's going to go, right? Right, right. Uh, she was a very strong woman because her, her mom wanted us to get a divorce. Like that's enough. No questions asked. Divorce is happening. My wife was like, um, she was much stronger than that. She understood like some of the pain that I was going through, but she also understood if I wasn't going to change, then it's not going to, we're not going to do anything. You'd have to actually go through the change and I want to see progress at the end of the summer. Otherwise we're done. And luckily enough, she gave me that opportunity. She gave me that chance to not fix myself, but to turn my life around. That sounds really like a remarkable person and also a remarkable decision being made, like not really emotional, but also like having this, um, yeah, maybe even foresight and also believing in you. And isn't that also something that we need sometimes that someone just believes in us and gives us like a second chance? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, what do you think would have happened if this wasn't the case? Um, I don't know if my life would have been too much different than what it was. I would have probably continued using. I like to think that eventually, because just the using was getting too much anyways, I think I would have found a breaking point on my own without if she would have left to take the kids where I would have at least come to where I am now. Maybe it would have taken me an extra couple of years to come to where I am now, but I do feel like I would eventually made it my way there eventually. If that wasn't rock bottom, I'm going to sure as heck find it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so Julian uh, was talking about, you know, you can't say what's going on in another person or in their subconscious. But I find also another concept very interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with David Data or his teachings. Um, he is um, very, a very spiritual guy who like took uh, the teachings from the Far East and then made him popularized a little bit for the Western culture so we can like implement those teachings uh it's not buddhist or or any specific thing in any means but i think these were just like some individual people that um constructed these teachings and in one of them 
he talks about the partner actually being able to see much more in you than you can see yourself. Because we also have this point where we are lying to ourselves and we are um, we don't want to see different pain points. And for someone who's out there and for uh, especially for someone who looks at us with loving eyes, they can see certain things um, that we are not able to see ourselves. Uh, and I have always found that to be also a very comforting thing and also something that I'm looking for in a partner because I do want this kind of mirror um, and I do want this kind of partner who will look at me and tell me something's wrong, what's going on. Not forcing their beliefs on me and, and maybe uh, look at me and, and think that I have a problem with ABC, but uh, just look at me and, and um, maybe think that I have a problem, but then get involved in a discussion or start asking questions. And I think that's that's extremely valuable uh, to have in a partner. And it seems to me that you have that. Yes, I do. Uh, just to clarify, you're saying that it's valuable to have a partner who's willing to tell you when you're being a, a dickhead, basically, and willing kind to... Of, kind of, but also like just see through your charades um even if it's like the small ones and then sometimes you know let it go and if it gets too repeated just be like hey what's up what's going on there okay have you seen a movie called the notebook i have not it's a love story and it's uh rachel mcadams is in it um i forget the guy's name but there's a scene in that where they're fighting it's back in the 50s here in the states and they're fighting and he they're deciding whether or not they're going to try to make this work They've been apart for, I don't know, 10 years. She's about, she's uh, so engaged to be married to another guy. They randomly get together, and he's like, eh, I'm going to call you a pain in the ass when you're being a pain in the ass, and you're going to call me a jerk, right? That's how we do. We fight these things out, and we work through it, and then we, we make up afterwards, right? We tell each other what, what we're doing is wrong, how it's hurting the other person, and they go in this argument. It's, it, it became a meme. It became something very popular, but it's something that um, – I, I do find is important is having the courage to call your partner out on something if they're doing something that's harming themselves. Sometimes it's not necessary, but sometimes it's nice to be able to, oh, that, that didn't work. Why didn't that work out? Well, it's because you didn't do this and you said you would do this. It makes sense. It hurts the ego, but if you can get over that, then it's very valuable information to receive. Yeah, it's it's kind of like this mirror and to be honest, uh, there's also like this paradigm of uh, partners and kids not really changing your life, but just intensifying it. So you would have like the same life and the same problems, but with a partner, they maybe come out faster or you just realize them faster and it just gets intense quicker. But it's not um, it's not really changing like the, the structure or the quality or um, whatsoever. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, I would. I don't have kids, so I don't know yet, but I think I will agree with it too. It helps with the raising the kids. Kids will challenge every little thing about you, and it just takes up so much time. You will learn time management if you got kids. And it's kind of funny because it's not the same for one, two. So obviously, two is a lot harder than three. Or I'm mean, sorry, two is a lot harder than one. Yeah. One just changes your life because now all of a sudden you have another mouth to feed, someone else to occupy your time. But it's just the three of you, you, your spouse, and you know your child. It's at three that things start to get really crazy. It's it's where you, you 
at two, you can have order, it seems like, in your house. At three, it really starts to get, okay, I just have to let some things go. I can't control everything. At four, you'd be like, I don't know what to do. Four and beyond, <laughs> it's like, uh, whatever. The world, the house is going to be a mess. There's nothing I can do about it. It's good, you know. So what, what's I th- about me that I want to have five? Four, four plus is what it's going to be. So okay, <laughs> it's going to be an exciting life. That's for sure. The, the, the thing I like to think about, and this is what I've been told by other folks who had more than four kids, is that it, raising them is just a chaotic, nonstop household. But once they become adults, it, it's they're like you have five best friends. You know, you're you're the parents. You're not supposed to be the friends when they're when they're growing up. You're you're the authoritative per, or the auth. You're the boss of the household, right? You guys aren't not supposed to be friends. You're supposed to do things that are best for the family, best for your kids and make them grow up. They you don't they don't want to eat spinach, but you know, you have them eat their vegetables. You know, they don't want to do that. Best friends wouldn't make them eat their vegetables, but parents would. But when they get older, you're still in a mentorship role, but now you got a whole bunch of family that wants nothing but to spend time with you. That's that's a great thing. That's a really great thing. Um as I've said, I have no experience myself, but a couple of uh, friends of mine have gotten kids and I um, got to talk to them and just see how things go. And uh, it seems like a wonderful experience overall. So I can't wait to have children. Uh, that said, I have been waiting to have children like for already six years. Maybe that was, that was like the first moment where I finally wanted to have kids before kids were like these unfinished humans <laughs> just like running around and like I, I don't want to do anything with that please make them complete uh some kind of degree or something and then um then we'll talk you know and then uh, something switched uh maybe we'll talk about that later uh what actually switched is me realizing my ego and uh what that was uh and before it was just running me but actually a person that really, really helped me connect with my former child and also with parenting was Neil Strauss. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, I know of him, but I don't know his work. He wrote like back in the day, this this uh, pickup blockbuster, The Game, uh, where he just went into the community of pickup and just wrote about everyone who was doing it at the time and and doing like, this infield um, kind of reportage because he's a journalist, uh, mm-hmm. but also a very, very skilled writer. And then I think some tens, 10 years later, he wrote the book that's called The Truth. And in this book, he's actually talking how he went to sex therapy and how he um, was addicted before and uh, did cheat on his wife and how this actually came also a lot from his childhood and and his relationship to his mother um, and how he was like this enmeshed kind of child. So these were all very new concepts for me. And then I I was realizing that there's uh, parents who don't want to have to do anything with their children. So they're like facing away from the child. And then there are parents who um, face in the child inwards and their whole purpose of life becomes the child and then they become enmeshed and then there's no separation between the parent and the child. And I I think with me, both happened. So I could relate to like both. I had a father who was very distant and who was always facing outward. And I had a mother who was always um, finding purpose and um, 
meaning of life in my existence and my brother's existence. So this was uh, kind of a lot of responsibility and weight putting into a child. Um, and also what was what was interesting for me, I had a very similar situation to, to what you described before. Um, and me following Neil Strauss on, on, on Instagram yesterday, he posted something that was exactly perfect for this occasion where he said he, he spoke to a man who cheated on his wife um, and his argument was, well, she hasn't slept with me in five years. So he said, well, you are using certain arguments to just um, justify behavior that's outside of your value system. And I was like, oh my God, that's, yeah, that's it. And when it happened to me, I think I was 22. Um, I just was in a also not very, very good place uh, with a very low self-esteem. And it happened to me that I uh, slept with someone and I was actually in a committed relationship for about two years at that point. I was drunk um, and so on. So it wasn't really um, something that I thought I would have done consciously. And also there I was crashed. Like I yeah. completely crashed. I was thinking that this guy who was me, who was completely in control, I was co really in control of my life and everything. And then this happened to me and I really lost it all. Um, I didn't know me. I didn't know myself. And, and I was just amazed that I could do something that I said to myself, I will never do. Um, the difference being that I confessed to it in the same day, like um, same day uh, in the afternoon, I think we saw each other. And this was also because I was um, into radical honesty at that point where I was just like um, trying to be as authentic as I can be. Um, and I was really sorry in a way, but in another way, I was justifying that it happened, you know, because our relationship hasn't been that great, you know. So I even expected my partner to have understanding for me doing that stuff that I did, which is absolutely crazy. Like now in retrospect, what I did was extremely narcissistic, insecure, but this was the only way that I could handle what I did um, at, at that moment in time. And it also changed me. Like it really changed me um, also in a better way, I'd say since, because I understood that it's not just what I want or who I am, but also like in the surrounding um, that I put myself in. So have I been in a different surrounding? Have I been not drinking as much? Have I been any other kind of tweak? This might not have happened. So I do believe that as people, we're not just responsible for our own thoughts and actions, but also just for the surroundings because um, ultimately these can change our thoughts and actions especially in a certain situation. Uh, and then we start acting outside of what we would normally do. So this was a very um, hard lesson for me. And I hurt somebody very deeply and I couldn't take it back. 
I hear you. I, a lot of those emotions that you were portraying, I, I felt those same ones when I was going through mine issue. No, that's hard times to go through. Yeah, I mean, later, I don't even know. Um, I think that was one of the hardest things also to forgive to myself because it was something that was so selfish. This was just purely selfish. Um, and lately, just these last couple of days, I have been discovering a new kind of selfish, which I really, really like. Uh, I've been uh, reading this this book by uh, Robert Kiyosaki that's uh, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he tells uh, near the end to pay yourself first, you know, just mm -hmm. pay your bills, but do pay yourself first, just psychological. And then I realized, yeah, I had a time in my life where I did that and I actually did get to put a lot of savings in the bank account. And then I stopped doing that for several reasons, uh, one of them being Corona. And as a musician, it wasn't great then, but I could have continued with it. I didn't. I found an excuse and everything's been different since. But then I also noticed that you, you could do it outside of money, right? It could be of anything that is of value. So it can be your time. It could be your education. It could be um, basically anything, any resource that you have, just pay yourself first. Um, and I've noticed that I started slacking off, like doing my morning routines, or if I don't do like my meditation or maybe don't do exercise, stretching whatsoever. If I don't do it a couple days in a row, I'm really hurting myself. And my life basically looks the same. I get the same amount of things done, especially for the external, but I don't feel the same at all. I feel you there. Um, one of the reasons we had a, uh, a gap and stay here in Alaska I don't hear myself. I don't know if I should be hearing myself, but um, we left because we left because I came up with a list of excuses why I don't like Alaska anymore. You know, we had moved every three years growing up. Well, now I've been here for 13 years. We got to go. And I came up with just a whole bunch of reasons why we should leave. After we left, it took eight years before I realized no, no matter where I travel, I, I, I moved three different times while I was in the lower 48. It was still me that was moving. It had no like nothing changed. I was still bringing my pain with me everywhere I go. And I was just coming up with excuses why I didn't like where I was at. It's like, well, that it's not the environment. That's the issue. It's me. That's the issue. So we ended up once I finally realized that we came back home and it's like, I, I'm so happy to be back. And uh, it, none of those things that I complained about in the past are actually things to complain about. They were never issues to begin with. And that's when I when he, when he always when he talks about the core experience of you is like, I, I know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, this one really hits home. There's just, you can change the people, you can change the location, you can change basically even what you do, but. Yeah. So I, I, I see you have your flip chart over there, or is it like a. It's a, a whiteboard. It's a whiteboard. So we have the three false gods and we have the conscious and subconscious. Is this like. I, the main thing? Uh, it's it's something I haven't erased it yet. I've been uh, exploring with different ways to explain it, try to make it. 
I don't want to deviate from his teachings. I want to like, but I want to incorporate it and be able to say it in backwards, forwards, and you know all the different yeah. ways and whatnot. So I'm practicing saying it and whatnot. Um, I just haven't erased it yet. I think it's a good background. Yeah, it's it. It seems like you're very engaged in this type of work. I I so I've also read the rich dad the rich dad poor dad book. I did that and 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 when I was 26. I bought a course from them, a real estate investing course, and it was like third, it was like 28 grand. It was so expensive and whatnot. And then nothing came of it. Like the moment I, and I've tried numerous different businesses since then. And the moment it comes time to actually, again, put the responsibility of making decisions on me, I would find reasons to not do that. And um, last uh, two years ago, I started a coaching business, teaching people how to do things online because people who didn't know anything about online but wanted to get started. And I had a couple of customers. I did really well, but then when it come time to go out and get more customers, and like I hit my fill. Okay, now I've satisfied them. Try me, I'll get more. Why do people want to trust me to begin with? Why do? Why should I even try to do this? It's. I found a reason to, to pivot once again, even though I was now starting to make money doing this. I, I found a way to a way to quit, and it was that specific moment. Was like, what? Why am I keep self sabotaging myself? Why do I keep ruining? Like I was making money doing this. Why am I quitting, or whatever? That's when I started searching about self sabotage. That's when I started finding people like Julian going through, it. and that's when I started to get involved in his work, and and stuff. And that's kind of how I found him because I was getting really tired. I was like, why am I giving up on all these different things? Any one of them could have worked. I just gave up way too soon. And why do you think did you give up? Um, a couple different reasons. Um, but the main one was a form of self-sabotage. When it comes time to, okay, um, I had broken through a barrier where it comes time to actually do the work. I loved reading. I loved staying in a hover pattern of of just constantly gaining new knowledge and whatnot, but not actually putting action towards it. So I got really tired of that lifestyle. And so I started, I said, screw this. I'm going to take action to it. I did all the cold call, call reach out. I found potential clients. I got on Zoom calls with them. I made sales over the Zoom call. And then I had to start fulfilling those calls. And I started fulfilling them and whatnot. And then one individual who just didn't want to ever do anything, like I, I don't know what his what is, but after we, we parted ways, like we can't work together anymore. I stopped reaching out. I stopped going for it. And I don't necessarily know why I did that. Um, other than I didn't help this guy. I must not be able to help any more guys afterwards type of mentality. And so I pivoted and I started selling life insurance online. That was a different whatever happens to me. It was a, it was the next shiny object, if you will, and whatnot. But it was from that that I started like there's something wrong in here. Something is not connecting right. I have some of the thing that, that needs to be uh, dealt with and it turns out uh, a lot of it was just self-care, self-belief. Believe yeah. that I'm already good enough. It's like there that that was his issue. That wasn't anything on me. That was his issue. Totally. I mean, w when you were talking to me, and obviously you, you knew yourself, this is like a limiting belief, and it's just something that I have to deal with, but I don't know how. And I think this I don't know how is a very very big question mark for so many people and. I think that deep down, most people do know that there's something wrong with them. And they do know that there's like 
there's been one or two or three situations where that really shone through. I think most for most of us, it's like in this high school period, like when we start growing up, um, going through puberty and then getting like these first experiences um, with other people, also with intimacy, also with with just being who you are as a person and, and maybe trying to to have your uh, mark on the world. Right. And then something happens and so many just. I don't know if giving up is the right word, but maybe they get scared. Maybe they, they just close off um, and say this is for another time. And I know also so many people that if you put them in the right conditions, if you give them the permission, if you give them a place where they could shine, um, they just really go off. And they're like this amazing person, like charisma through the roof, very interesting, very um, great to talk to. And even some really depressed or toxic people. Um, I remember this strategy because I was growing up uh, for a longer period of time in a place that was really, really depressing and just really dragging down everyone. Um, and I had a couple of friends who were really just tough to be around, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I also didn't want to leave them. Like when I started around 18 with really going into self-help, so I started first, maybe with 15, 16, reading first couple of things, but then I really went into it with 18 and I did some radical changes uh, with myself and I noticed I'm going to lose all of these people and they don't want to lose me. Like there's still a connection. And one of the greatest strategies was just to go pick them up at their best, find out when they shine, when they are at their best and just do that with them. You know, like if it's a gloomy artist uh, who is depressed all the time, just Go with, with them to the art museum and they will like show you everything um, that's so amazing about it. And you don't have to talk about, let's say, the hardships of life or why the economy is failing or why <laughs> artists are underappreciated. Um, and that's been somewhat a strategy for me since to just find where a person is really, really good at and then just bring them to that place. And I think Julian is really amazing at that. I uh, see him also in these live sessions, just going there and giving people uh, people permission to just be themselves. Yeah. Uh, I really want to learn how he's doing it because it, it seems to be an amazing experience. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to travel with him and, you know, experience. I, I know after they said tier three, because we're tier one after this, but like tier three, after you'd been here for three years, you have the opportunity to go travel with him. Like, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, definitely does. You uh, when you were saying that it brought me to something else that um, uh, that I have come to. I, I've, I'm still formulating this plan, but with my wife and I. So I'll use her as the example bringing the best out in people. I, since adopting this thought about how to treat her, our relationship has blossomed a lot, like more than I could ever imagine. So imagine like a car guy, do you guys, you know anyone that's like a super, they know every little detail about a car. They polish it every week, you know, on a weekly basis. They take the best care of the car. Well, if, if, if my wife is the car and the check engine light comes on, do I attend to that immediately or do I just let that fester? 
you know, and if you just let that kind of stuff fester, the car is eventually going to break down way sooner than it would have if you would have kept up with the regular maintenance, if you would have yeah. kept up with other things. If something bumps into her, it doesn't matter if 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 whatever the reaction is, is directed at me. This is my baby. I need to take care of this the way that a car enthusiast would take care of their car. If the check engine light is on, it's my job to, okay, she is overly stressed. I'm going to hire a babysitter. We're going to go out and we're going to do something. You know, if 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 this is not working right, I'll I'll take care of it. Right? What have you? I will be the one that 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 um, makes sure all the little pieces are working in our lives so that she can have the best life that she can possibly have in our relationship. And once I understood it that way, that I it doesn't matter what's going on. I need to give 100% that I can give to her. Our relationship has blossomed um, amazingly after that. And she's got her own things that she does too to try to on me. But that's my take towards her. And if I treat her that way. Oh, everything is fantastic. That sounds awesome, man. Really, really awesome. I do love that strategy. I uh, have been, in fact, doing something very similar with myself. So over the years, I've been always having this struggle between working a lot and just working a lot and <laughs> also somehow trying to find this time to improve myself or, or whatever it fits and um I would always get in these cycles of working too much, not taking care of myself or not taking care of um, what I need or my health or, or uh, nutrition. And then I would have some form of breakdown and then I would have to pick myself up or the problems would get too big. And now I really try to do it like every day, at least for 10 minutes, just like have me time and do like a me checkup. Um, ideally it's it's like half an hour or more and when I do notice that I get super stressed like there, when there's really a lot to do and I have these appointments that I need to make uh, so I need to really constrain myself and my body to a certain schedule that doesn't fit maybe my own personal natural schedule I really take even extra time so like if it gets super tough, there's this, I think, Buddhist saying, uh, take an hour or no, take a half an hour every day. But when you're super stressed, take two hours every day. And uh, I thought this would make me more stressed. But over the years, it's gotten much better. And I don't think I take full two hours. Sometimes I take even half a day off. Um, sometimes I maybe take just one hour or go to the spa or whatever. But it's really, really being a great strategy now that said i don't know how it is with kids i think there's even more that you have to put off for later and you can just do immediately um to attend to your own needs mm -hmm. so th we haven't really gotten started with this i mean i've started doing my TikTok with this but when i was doing it on the outreach on my other coaching program i built my TikTok following up to thirty-four thousand, which uh, is not a lot it nice. was a lot more than what i got now but i did that like kids go to bed at eight, they wake up at eight. So between eight and eight, it's really hard. We You can get some time in here and there, but everything I had to do outside of that was outside of those hours, either while I was at work on a break or after the kids go to bed. And I couldn't do that every night because some nights I need to spend time with my wife. You know, it gets it. Yeah. Time management is a real pickle and it's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. It will probably change over the next few years i'm also very excited what ai will bring like in the whole social media and distribution stuff 
Yeah, it's going to a lot of people are going to stop creating from scratch themselves, but they're going to create using AI. There is an individual I, I watched an interview on and he he's tw 20 years old. He brings in about three hundred thousand dollars a month now because he has written 20 different books and sells them on his own websites and whatnot. But he's written them through AI. You know, AI won't write you. a It, it will write you a book, but it's a really crappy book. You've got to go through. OK, write out the, the 10 the 10 chapters. OK, now write out this chapter. I don't like that. Fix this. Do that. You got to tweak it. Finally, chapter one's done. OK, now go to chapter two. But it takes them. It says I could do that in a day and I could write a whole book in a day, have it edited, have it good to go. Then I just got to write the website and, and, you know, do my Facebook ads. And there we're off to the races. You know, it could be amazingly t uh, uh, excellent time saver. Yeah, I mean, I've been using it myself for the last eight months or so, um, and it's been an amazing time saver. I think it's moving towards like just having this great idea and then being able to present it in a meaningful way and just like do good marketing and good sales. And that's it. You don't need uh, with AI. It, it can actually do the fulfillment thing for you. Uh, you don't need to, to, to work with that. And actually it can take a lot of the marketing and copywriting uh, tasks for you as well. Although I have not been as happy with it, I have to say. Um, this is also one of the reasons that I wanted to, to do these interviews is just like to hear from you guys what moved you to do this. Like wh what's your personal spin on, on everything that's uh, Julian teaching or why would you even want to like become a coach? For me, it was the people business. Uh, me seeing everything that's happening with AI, I really wanted to do something meaningful and something that's long term. And that was working with people and working with people in a way that's, let's say, spiritual or just that cannot be uh, replaced by machines, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, this is the next stage of humanity where we're going. We had like the industrial revolution where we just did the manufacturing and then we had the information age. And now we are super full with information. You, you can find out anything in seconds. Um, and now we have the AI that does the thinking for us. So what's the next step? And I do really believe the next step is some form of beat um, artistic expression, but this is probably not marketable. Um, and the other hand being just this spiritual journey and reconnecting with our deepest self. I, I would say I agree with that because my my take on the future is what yeah one we'll, we need to reconnect with our communities we are so individually focused and completely foregoing the community aspect of it like people is what brings us together it's what gives us life and whatnot being around other people and then two I think like back in the day we all I you used to have your blacksmith in your in your basement or, or across the right you were a potter you we were all individuals making products to serve the community. We all specialize in our certain things. Now, in the industrial age, we've all gone to, we're all employees working for the big company. I think a lot of this, especially with the online world, there's always gonna be employees, there's always gonna be plumbers, but I think we're gonna we're going back to more or less the blacksmith age, where we're all gonna be have our own individual business, maybe employing people, whatnot, but it's gonna be a much more uh, a smaller, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot more small businesses where it's just a one-man business type of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would love to have that because you can really then count on the expertise of one person. And also what's happening there is that you 
um, well, maybe it's like a small kind of thing also like Julian does, but it's not, not like a huge corporation. And you have highly driven individuals who believe in that cause who are part of that, right? Um, I think the for me, always the big issue with big corporations was uh, it's just too big and there's no no meaning outside of it than just profit. And for me, it was always clear that I will never do anything like that in my life. Um, I don't even try and I'm not interested in any way or form in how it's done. Uh, obviously, this has had uh, upsides and downsides for me up to now. But I really, really do hope that we move towards this being an organism together, like you mentioned, like these communities and working together. Uh, from a biological standpoint, there's this wonderful view of if you look at an ant, you can say, well, it's an individual, right? But it works in this larger organism that's that's like the ant hill. And it's kind of like cells in our body, right? They're all individual and singular, but they don't exist on themselves. They are all interconnected. And what we as humans oftentimes have lost or forgotten is that we are also interconnected and there's no way around that. So I, for most of my life, have tried to, to cut these bonds with other humans that I thought would be harmful or that would be uh, disadvantages to me or, or to anyone else. And mostly I ended up hurting myself with this in numerous ways. It was energetically, uh, but it was also um, sometimes financially. It was in any possible way. So I really, really regret doing it, but it has also brought me to the place where I am, where I value connections extremely and where I do value genuine relationship with people. And this is also why I am talking to you right now, because I really want to just get to know you and um, connect with you. I appreciate it. Thank you for reaching out. The other question is, uh, you had mentioned something along the lines of doing this uh, coaching thing for you. Have you done coaching before? Like, do you have an experience in that realm or is this like your first forego? I have not ever done coaching in the sense that I would be presenting concepts on stage for people. Um, I have been leading uh, groups like, for example, church choirs or um, smaller groups like like um, bands or in general, like choirs where I would just like be the director and say what's up and do different kinds of exercises and always look at what's the problem right now. Let's fix that, but also have like this general overview of, of direction. That was one thing. And the other thing was that I have been um, studying teaching, uh, like music teaching, and especially let's call them very modern forms where it's one-on-one -on -one teaching, uh, where a lot of questions are involved. It's not like this, you get the stamp and you stamp it on everyone, but you do actually try to bring out the best in the person that's before you and uh, amplify their own views and their own take on the world so they can make their own decisions and they can become an artist in their own right or just like find their own personal expression. And I've also had a lot of friends who came up to me for advice over the years. In, in, in the beginning, it was a lot of personal advice. Last couple of years, it was also around social media, internet presence, 
uh, stuff like that. So I've been always doing it on the side, but never making money of it. Um, it was always, let's call it for, for pleasure. And I always knew that at some point in time, I will work it into my profession in some way mm. or the other. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that the, the ability to market yourself in social media, copywriting, that all that marketing stuff is like a super high level skill if you can learn it and stick with it. Definitely. And I'm still learning. I mean, just like what, what dropped in module eight was. Um, and we're still scratching the surface. So <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that's a lot of work to be done. And I'm also somewhat scared, but also somewhat looking forward to it. I also don't know how it's going to develop because we are at this point in time where everyone is trying to sell on social media and everyone is going there. People are creating more and more content. You have AI creating automatic content without any person being involved. And uh, even these uh, TikToks and, and Reels are blowing up. And then you have just a ton of people who don't, don't watch anymore who return <coughs> to your life, you know? which I do like. I am always a proponent of don't, don't hang around on social media, go live your life because this is real and, and the other one is not. Um, but in terms of sales, I think and I'm hoping to really do them like in person. I think <coughs> just going to events, just meeting people in person and um, seeing them, I think this is the way that I can build the most trust to actually convert um, people to customers. Yeah, yeah, I I, I would agree with that because when I when I was going through my recovery process and I turned around, I started leading the groups. Like they had me head to church. I was I, of this whole group. I was in charge of everything on it, and I had like eight you know eight other people who helped me and assist me with everything. Um, I I enjoyed the person to person interaction we did. Yeah, I enjoyed all that came with it, especially like the people who would come up afterwards, like after I would share my testimony. There's always a handful of people that came up afterwards like no one else. I did. I thought I was alone. Like people think they're so alone that they're the only ones suffering from these things. And it, we all do in some form or fashion, maybe not to the extremes, but we all have these thoughts that go through us. We're like the eight degree, eight uh, different things that Julian talks about. Remember, the very bottom one is apathy. I forget how that goes fear, anger, whatever. But everyone yeah, suffers through something alone. From the mentoring program, I think. I'm not familiar it's not, with it. It's not from the certification program. It's in some of his other uh, courses that he goes through. But we're all at some stage, and depending on like our relationship could be excellent, but our, you know, our work life could be really crappy. And we're all in different emotional stages when it comes to all those different things. And just under, having people come to me and say that, you know, I thought I was alone in this. You've inspired me to that there is hope for the future. It's like, that's an that's an amazing feeling. I, I, that, I love that feeling when I was able to help people like that. And so when I came across this program where I can come back to do it in person, because everything's been on Zoom call beforehand, I can actually come back and do it in person. I was basically given permission that I can do it in person again when it's signing up for this course. Um, and that was just my own way of looking at it. It's like, oh, you know what? Oh, why have I been holding myself back? I, uh, yes, I'm taking this. Awesome. Awesome. I've, I've had a, um, experience talking to, to, uh, Henrique 
actually uh, it's really difficult for myself to see where I fit in in all of this because I have this feeling that maybe for me it went a little bit differently than from for other people uh, but maybe that's just my ego talking and and we're all in the in the same place I have no idea but w when we had this like this meeting with uh, Kim organized it uh, where just like some people hopped on the call um, and they were chatting around I joined quite late but I actually also wanted to do like what we are doing right now just talk to people and really find out why they came here how has their development been and where have been these like super important points in time um, that caused their transformation and I was talking to Henrique and he said I've been at the worst point of my life so um, I think this is a major one that everyone says there's like the lowest absolutely lowest and then uh, in his case he saw the videos of Julian and he thought to himself well if he was at his lowest and he can do it then maybe I can do it and this is this hero perspective or or um I was just reading Kiyosaki yesterday, as I told you, and, and there's also this chapter uh, where, where he says, you know, we are losing our heroes. As children, we have our heroes and we look up to them and we copy them and we do everything like they do. But then we grow up and somehow you're grown up, you know how the world works and you don't have heroes anymore. And he was talking about how he copied uh, super golfers, great investors and so on, and how we could benefit from copying our heroes or just getting inspired by them. And I think Julian is doing an awesome job in just being this shining beacon of light um, for everyone who is really down and can demonstrate, look, I was down as well, but I made the effort and I made the way. And I think this will be like a major theme uh, to connect with people and to actually get them on the journey um, to find them at their lowest or find how they relate at their lowest but then also display this possibility that you can actually do it and everyone can do it um, and it has to be super relatable in a way so it doesn't doesn't work if like the coach is this great god or um, is this amazing guy who had it all anyway right um, I also can can tell from uh, Owen, who is uh, also like in self mastery uh, company. He's always portraying himself um, like this regular dude. He calls himself the balding ginger and so on. But uh, basically, I, I don't know how many millions he's heavy, right? But he's yeah. just like walking around like this regular dude. And I think that's also super important. I don't know, maybe for other people have figured that out, but for me. Um, especially like doing this thing on stage it's so easy to like get disconnected and and start smelling your own farts you know just like be mm, i'm so great look at me look at me um and actually just stay on the floor um and stay connected um be at eye level with others and yeah i think this is one of the main things to use as, as the compass to not just yeah, because that is that is that is a fear that I have going forward. Because I like attention, uh, I I enjoy being the center of attention, and I I have often been when I go to parties, especially when I was younger. So I 
I it is a fear of mine is to let that go to my head. It's like a, I got to make sure I put things in place where it won't go to my head. And how would you do that? I don't necessarily have no at the moment. Um, my initial thoughts going forward, having never done that, or, or is is to as what you said, stay on eye level. Make sure I don't just like go on stage, talk, and then leave afterwards. Have conversations with people. It's about them. It's not about me. You know, have that mindset. It's it's about them. It's not about me. I think that 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 right there would be the key. No, definitely, definitely. I I would even say that having that mindset, you still with all the attention can get in a place where it's borderline, you know, uh, and and happening. And I also have this from Neil Strauss, uh, where he says this eye level thingy, whenever you feel better than or worse than, that's the ego talking. And that's something that ultimately you can translate to, I, I need to let go of. Because um, this will put the system into some kind of disbalance and then you start compensating or um, start using different mechanisms. So for me personally, it was very interesting to see. I traveled with a very good friend of mine. Uh, we we did a trip for pleasure uh, last weekend and I was talking to him and then I actually started getting a little bit insecure um, around certain topics. And I really have to say to myself, I don't get insecure <laughs> like this uh, last couple of years. I've rarely had that feeling um, creep up. And so I really started noticing this. And because he was younger, I felt this urge, you know, to go and teach him, you know, because mm -hmm. he's. And then I was like, wait a minute. So this guy, um, he started we were in a restaurant and he started talking with the waiter and they were like giving him the full attention. And then the cashier was giving him the full attention later. And I was like, I'm the guy who gets all the attention. What the hell is going on here? So yeah, this is this is the youngins. Let's let do him. And then was like, no, I am really just belittling him because I am insecure myself. So just stop that. And in the next morning, I did the letting go meditation while he was still sleeping, and I was able to resolve all that and was great overall afterwards. Um, so this is really really something that I recommend doing. And now I had the opposite. Uh, situation where two days ago I, I traveled to a different city and it was a friend of my girlfriend um, who I, I remember think, this one yeah and she got like super triggered and I think a lot of people get super triggered around me also maybe because of the insecurities um, and this was a hard one like really there, there were so many points that I would just like wanted to to say this is really unacceptable behavior and I will not stand here listening to this toxic bleep uh and i didn't i actually really didn't and i think this was the hardest for me and for my ego um to ever do like just to kind of pull through it and then still um try to make make the best out of a situation that was not meant to be good yeah anyway um and i'm still not happy about it but i i think it's it's just ended uh between us in a way um where i think it was the best way possible that i could manage at the level 
that I am right now. Yeah. And so, this is a story you shared in the Facebook group. Yeah, exactly. I after I read yours first and then as I scrolled down further, oh, there's Brendan's story because he he told us told his story too. He's like that's a really good story too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, his story inspired me. So I was on a on a call with him a couple of days ago. He did like his live thing, and then he told me about a guy who was uh, sitting in his course and and just screamed out, you know, like heckling. I completely disagree with you. Like this is some bull crap. And and uh, Brendan was like, okay, nice. So it's good that you disagree. Let's have a discussion and showing full respect and and just involving him in the discussion. And uh, they actually agreed to disagree or or something like that. But it just raised the vibe. And I really really love that because personally, I'm oftentimes also really afraid being in the leading position. And I've had this quite a few times when I'm doing like choirs and, and stuff like that. If I pay too much attention to the loud mouths, this becomes acceptable behavior because people see this behavior being rewarded with attention. And mm -hmm. that's not what I want to do, right? Oh, exactly. No, yeah, no, you, you don't want to. So I have, I have no solution for that. Um, at the moment, I'm just like sometimes paying attention to it, sometimes ignoring it um, and then talking to them like in the break. It's just. I don't know, it's it, it's a hard thing, but. Um, what whatever. We do, I think it's great that we have the group where we can share with each other and uh, get these. Um, other kinds of feedbacks and other kinds of experiences. I was a little bit afraid in the beginning because, um, you know, when people like to coach, quote unquote, they go into this coaching mindset. I have to give advice to everyone <laughs> and anyone at any given uh, point in time. Uh, and I remember also being in some kind of Facebook groups that are, are around advice or, or coaching where everyone would just like be giving their own advice without having any expertise on that or just, you know, to sound really smart. Right. And I'm really yeah. glad I don't do that. No, no, I, I like this group and I don't have enough, a lot of time to reach out and do a whole bunch of stuff. So this uh, people like you reaching out, connecting with folks, um, the different groups we go on there. It's nice that I, when I do have time, I can go on there, make comments, Oh, I really enjoyed that thing or shared my opinion, whatnot. It's the format is like excellent for all different types of people, people with more time on their hands, people with very little time on their hands and yeah. all different walks of life. It's really been uh, pleasing to do that. And then you mentioned something about um, helping people and I got to give advice. I, I don't it, this isn't the case in all cases, but I do believe most people have an idea of where they need to go. They're just hiding it from their awareness. Like most people know what they're doing wrong. They, you know, deep down what you're doing wrong. In most cases, you just are not allowing yourself to be aware of it. And so when people give advice, oftentimes, especially in from what I've seen and I witness other people do in coaching calls and other things that I've been a part of, it's just, they're asking questions to force them to say it out loud. Things that they already knew. Once they say it out loud, then it finally starts to click. It's like, I could probably stop doing that. My life would improve. Totally. Totally. I, I really agree with this one. Um, so how would you bring them to, to the point where they start asking questions themselves? 
getting good at asking questions and being able to read between the lines of kind of understanding, okay, I have an idea what's going to go on. How can I get you to answer this question for me? Instead of me telling you, hey, you're, you're angry all the time when your, po po your partner pokes you in the foot. How can I get you to answer that question instead of me telling it to you? It comes off way more powerful when you real come to the conclusion yourself than when someone else tells it to you. So if you can do that by asking questions and getting good at asking questions, that's my opinion. I don't know this for true. So I haven't done this that part yet. I've only done this in the realm of of, of the addiction recovery things, which in some cases is this because you come to the realization that you're not alone, that there's possibility for a better life. And so getting people to that realization by asking questions are like, did this person's life end when that happened? No. What happened afterwards? They got a better life. Is that possible for you? That sounds really awesome. And it sounds exactly like what I intend to do as well. Um, I've been to in different stages of my life also with giving advice, uh, portraying myself as an authority, uh, you know, all of that. And what I've really found out is us humans, our most biggest problem, whatever, is that we don't listen. And questions would be the way to listen. And asking the right questions is just the best way to help a person go from A to B without you interfering with their way because it will just pull exactly as you said these things into their awareness and then just they can take action on their own they can make their own decisions based on that information but you are not um, teaching in any way and that this is also why i like coaching and, and not teaching because teaching is very you know this is how it's done and and, and the coaching is mm -hmm. Obviously, it has very, very many different facets. I've been talking to another coach. It was what was Friday, three days ago, three days ago, and he told me about systemic coaching. I don't know if it's called like that in English, um, but it's basically the same thing that you describe. It's the perspective of seeing everything as a system. And then if you would give advice to a certain point in the system, um, they may sound like great advice, but this advice, because it's a system, can affect so many other aspects of this whole system that it can completely have the opposite effect of what was intended. So in the systemic coaching, they would just ask questions and um, let the person work their own um, their their own system. So they then they have their own relationships and they have their own energy fields and how this energy is distributed, right? And then they can do their own balancing act without the coach actually coming in and just giving a advice that blanket advice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That maybe can have extremely bad effects on other parts of what this person is doing. Um, and this is also what I think is great about Julian's method, right? Because you don't have advice. You just get the tools so you can work yourself at your own pace, um, at your own problems. It's just like the, yeah, what, 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 what the frame of it all or, or the process that everyone goes through is more or less the same, but the concrete problems or, or um, the specific solutions 
that you get are very different and everyone can find out on their own and everyone can have their own approach, which is just great. Thank you that <laughs> someone is doing it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's there, pat, Patterns are prevalent in everything. If you could recognize the pattern, it's uh, you can start to find the, the pattern so you can move forward. We're all humans. We all live this human experience. So we all have at least something in common. Just how we were built is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't have any more questions at the moment. Me neither. I think this is the point in time where we are really happy and just you probably want to go to sleep. I guess. Yeah, it's all, it's about 1230 a.m. It's about bedtime. A little right. bit past bedtime. All right. For me, it's 1030 almost. So we're 10, 10 hours difference then. Yes. Okay, yes. And yes. Our so, Chaz, it's been a pleasure talking how to do you. How do I say your name? You would just call, uh, say Nenad. Nenad. Nenard. Nenard. Nenad. Nenard. Okay. You Nenad. you you know like Nena. 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 Yeah, like the 990 Luftballons. You know the I song. I know the song. I know the song. I, I don't yeah, know the words, so but I know the song. It's sung by Nena, and you just add a D at the end just Nenad. Nenad. Okay. yeah i butcher for a while there's a lot of names here that i just i'm having a hard time pronouncing but, yeah me, me too but uh, we do our best Chaz is right yeah. that's perfect all right all right hey Chaz, it's been a pleasure talking to you um we'll connect uh get to details of of what's next and otherwise i just wish you all the best till the next time have a great time in the tml community I keep reaching out, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for the conversation. It was fun. Very much a blast. Hey, same. I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.